Well, God's grace and peace is yours through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The text for this evening's message is the gospel lesson from this past Sunday, which is the temptation account, the traditional gospel reading for the first Sunday in Lent. And so we go back and we, you know, I guess it's printed for you in your bulletin, but we read from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for forty days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Men shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, To you I will give all this authority and glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you will then worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem, and he set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is our text. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. One of the big questions in life is, what on earth am I here for? What on earth am I here for? When people answer the question, if they even think of the question at all, they do so without any thought to God. A growing number of people do not look to God for direction or for purpose and meaning in their life. Even though someone such as Bertrand Russell, an atheist, acknowledges that unless you assume a God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. A lot of people just drift from day to day. Others are driven by goals related to their education or their career or their family or some other important aspect of their life. Others find purpose in giving expression to their feelings and emotions, freeing their inner self from conforming to societal oppressive norms. But a life without God at its center A life without God directing it and giving it purpose often leads a person to conclude, as did Solomon, all of life is meaningless under the sun. Rick Warren, in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, writes, It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your own peace of mind, or your own happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you are placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. 
Now, of course, God's purpose for our life involves our stations in life, our vocations. His father, mother, husband, wife, mom, dad, brother, sister, son, daughter, friend, worker, citizen, church member, and the list goes on. There are no higher or more fulfilling purposes in life for us than simply doing the very things that God appoints us to do. This is not to say that we don't strive for excellence or that we seek new challenges and explore new frontiers. But it does mean that when our life is monotonous and maybe even humdrum, that we stay with it. That we're not tempted to think, God must have something more self-gratifying and significant for my life than this. Many people have walked away from the stations in life, their vocations in life, because they believe a lie that there's something more noble out there for them to live and to do. Once again, Rick Warren observes, the search for the purpose of life has puzzled people for thousands of years. That's because we typically begin at the wrong starting point, ourselves. We ask self-centered questions like, what do I want to be? What should I do with my life? What are my goals, my ambitions, my dreams for my future? But focusing on ourselves will never reveal our life's purpose. The Bible says it is God who directs the lives of his creatures. Everyone's life is in his power. A pastor tells the story of how he got lost in the mountains looking for a campsite. And when he stopped for directions to the campsite, he was told, you can't get there from here. You must start from the other side of the mountain. How many times have we heard it said, or maybe we've said it ourselves, I have to do what's right for me? My friends, that statement is starting from the wrong side of the mountain. You cannot arrive at life's purpose by starting with a focus on yourself. That focus on yourself, which is just simply self-gratifying. No. That's the misguided philosophy of life that the devil tries to exploit. In the text, just before our gospel reading, or just before our sermon text for tonight, Luke the Evangelist recounts the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The genealogy of Jesus Christ, as Luke traces it, goes all the way back to Adam. And then in Luke 4, as I just read, we hear of the temptation account of Jesus. Why do you suppose Luke places the genealogy of Jesus right before Jesus' temptation? Might it be that Luke wants to compare Adam to Jesus, who is actually called the second Adam in other parts of the New Testament? In answering the question, what on earth am I here for, Adam and Eve started on the wrong side of the mountain, so to speak. God gives them very clear directives to how it is that they're to live their life. He says to them, be husband and wife to one another. Be fruitful and multiply. Be good stewards, managers of my creation, he says. Worship me with a life of loving obedience. But when the devil tempts Adam and Eve, 
they respond with a self-centered, self-serving response. They didn't say these exact words, but what was going on in Adam and Eve's mind is, I have to do what's right for me. Even if it means ignoring the clear directives of the Lord. And what are the consequences of their decision? Do they not experience separation from one another? Are they not also separated from God because of their sin? Do they not bring God's curse and judgment upon all of their descendants and even upon all of creation? They did not only bring suffering and death to themselves, but to all people since their fall into sin. And what is the reason for all of this devastation? It's because they chose to believe the devil's lie. I have to do what is right for me. Now, one of Adam and Eve's descendants, and not just any descendant, but the promised descendant, Jesus Christ, faces similar temptations. The devil puts our Lord Jesus to the test, uttering, Jesus, you've got to do what is good for you. And so the first temptation is, Jesus, you're hungry. You haven't eaten for 40 days. You need some food. You need some sustenance. That's that's what you need right now. No kidding, right? Jesus has gone without food for 40 days, 40 nights. You can imagine how hungry he would be. It would make sense for him to want to turn a rock into bread or something like that. But Jesus doesn't fall into that temptation. Instead, he says, man does not live by bread alone. So Satan takes another shot at it. Jesus, you deserve power and control. That's what's right for you. And I can give you all this power and control. Just bow down and worship me. You've got to do what is right for you. But again, Jesus counters. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then Satan comes back at him a third time, doesn't he? Jesus jumped from this high point of the temple Psalm 91 promises that the angels will protect you. They'll allow no harm to befall you. If you jump and people see the angels swoop down and save you, then they'll know that you are the Savior, the Son of God. And spectacular miracles, well, that'll convince people who you are. You don't need to go the way of the cross. You don't need to experience all that suffering and pain. I've got a better way for you, a less painful way for you. Just jump. Just jump and show your majesty and power. That's what's right for you. But again, Jesus responds by quoting God's word from Deuteronomy. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. How did Jesus, the second Adam, react to each of these three temptations? Did he respond by thinking, yeah, I have to do what's right for me. I have to do what will make me feel good. No. If Jesus had started at that point, he would have fallen into the same trap that Adam and Eve fell into. 
Instead, Jesus responds to these self-serving temptations by saying, I must fulfill the purpose for which my Father sent me. I must do what I was born to do. I must do the will of my Father because that's what's good for me to do. You see, Jesus starts on the right side of the mountain. Jesus knows the purpose for which he was sent to this world. In Luke 4, just a few verses down from our text, Jesus says to his disciples, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And then still a little bit later in his ministry, Jesus says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But it was for this purpose that I have come to this hour. And then standing before Pilate on that Black Friday, Jesus states, You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. As Jesus knew his purpose, didn't he? He knew that his Father had sent him to this earth for the purpose of suffering and dying for the sins of the world. He knew that his purpose meant suffering. He knew that his purpose meant death. But he was willing to bear it all out of obedience to his Father and for his love for you and me. God has a purpose for us too. His purpose is to save us. And so the Holy Spirit comes to us in God's word and works faith in our hearts. St. Paul writes, God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. We are believers in Christ on purpose. God's purpose. God purposefully chose us. And he saved us. And he saves us. And he calls us to faith in Christ Jesus. And that means that we are not only saved, but we are free. Free from thinking that we must save ourselves. Free from pursuing self-centeredness. Free from self-indulgence. And free from living a life of self-gratification. And it's living in this God-given and granted freedom that we ask, Lord, what is your purpose for my life? Not what is my purpose for my life, but Lord, what is your purpose for my life? And how do we discover what his overarching purpose is for our life is? Well, we build our lives and we direct our lives not by listening to the world and not by listening to the lies of Satan and not even by listening to our own heart. For our heart can easily be misguided by our sin. No, we begin 
where Jesus begins in God's word. We build our lives on God's eternal truths, not pop psychology, not some success motivation speaker, not some inspirational stories. No, we base our purpose in life on God's word, his revelation. The Bible says obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. In an important Bible passage that provides us with a clear understanding and direction as to the purpose of our life is when St. Paul says very succinctly, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. There it is. That's our purpose in life. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. In whatever you do, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. In whatever you do, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In whatever you do, pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will be done, but your will, O Lord, be done. And whatever you do, in whatever you do, be Christ's ambassador. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. If we follow these very simple directives, we'll be less prone to be steered away from God's purposes for our life. We'll be less likely to say, I've got to do what is right for me, because we'll be thinking about, I need to do what is right from God's perspective. Living by his purposes makes our life count. And this is the way that we can truly make a difference in the lives of other people for their good as we share the love of God with them through our words and deeds. When it comes right down to it, we all receive the same directives. We all receive the same God-given purposes in life. Those passages I just read to you are for all of us, aren't they? But what is unique is how each of these purposes are lived out in the various stations of our life. We need not seek some grand purpose for our life. No, we simply need to live the life the Lord gives us in the way that he instructs us to live it. So as we consider the question, what on earth am I here for? Let's first repent of our self-centeredness. Let's confess those times that we believed and lived the devil's lie that I have to do what is right for me. Instead, let's turn our eyes 
Jesus. Let's turn our eyes to Jesus, our Savior, and the purpose for which he came to this earth. He came to this earth to save us, to rescue us from death and to promise us everlasting life. And then let's rejoice. Let's rejoice not only in our salvation, but let's rejoice in God's purposes for us. As he not only saves us, but he calls us to live as his people. And then let's pray, that the, let's pray for the Holy Spirit to so govern our lives by his word that we purposely live the life that he grants us in all of the various vocations we have. And let's do it to God's glory and for his honor. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.